Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Delicious Podcast Extra Portion with me, Jilly Smith. And this week we're exploring the pop-up phenomenon with Stuart Langley and Frederick Boland at the Disappearing Dining Club's latest opening, Little Quiet near London's Barbican. I asked Stuart about the entrepreneurship, the love of good food and the legal fights that are all part of a day's work at a pop-up. So uh, Disappearing Dining Club, we've been around for eight years. It's our eighth year. Um, and then this is our kind of, maybe our fifth kind of temporary restaurant. But Little Quiet's been open for a year now. We've occupied the space for two years. It took us a year to get the place licensed. Um, as uh, people who live at the other end of the street felt that us opening a 16-seater dining room would be incredibly damaging for the environment in which they lived, um, and it took us a year of a year and two and two quarter peels to be able to kind of sell wine to a, to a small group of grown-ups who might like to have a nice time <laughs> over dinner. Uh, You're laughing now. <laughs> this location. I, I can tell. There's a little pain there. There's a, a little pain. Pain both in term, mostly financial, but. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Financial and emotional. And and interesting that you use the word occupied. There's a little bit of an activist overtone there, (laughs) isn't there? Um, You know, pop-ups are always about taking a space that would be somebody else's if it weren't being used. And so that, and the word club is always going to make locals feel a little bit uncomfortable. But that's not really what you're doing here, is it? No, well, uh, uh, no, not at all. And it's kind of like we, this space had been empty as a, a, was a wine bar, and has been empty for 15 years. It's on a side road, off a side road. So there's no reason for anybody to kind of come across it unless you're, unless you know we're here. Yeah. Um, and that's why uh, some of our neighbours have chosen to live on the street for yeah. the quiet. But for us, it means that the people who come to us are actively seeking us out, um, and that makes for a lovely atmosphere of like-minded people sharing. The, sharing a space that um, you know not everyone's going to find, yeah. but the space is you know it's it was an empty space with a fully fitted kitchen um, that nobody else in their right mind How would try. It? It's an amazing find. We did because it really is. Let's just paint the picture. It is in the back of Beyond, it's somewhere <laughs> near the Barbican. Luckily, I, we got an Uber to, to to find it on the sat nav, but I'm not sure we would have found it otherwise. How do people find it? Uh, well, we send people direct, uh, very, compl- very, very, very comprehensive directions. But we were approached by a, a guest who had eaten at our previous restaurant, which was called Back in Five Minutes on Brick Lane, which was inside a clothes shop. So they uh, liked the cut of our jib. 
they had access to this particular location and they uh, invited us to come and have a, long to have, have a look at it. So you and Fred, the chef, decided yeah. to set up this business. What's your background in food? So I've been working in... Uh, so I first worked in the kitchen when I was 15 years old and from a kitchen, uh, from a, a, as a KP, to a kitchen hand, to a not-a-very-good chef, onto the bar, uh, into the restaurant floor, and then into restaurant and bar management. And then I've worked in London, uh, in Spain, in Ibiza, I opened a ho- helped open a hotel in Chamonix in the Alps. I did a year in Australia, and then I've done lots and lots of kind of food, um, members' clubs and restaurants in London. Yeah. Uh, Fred is from Sweden, um, kind of classically French trained, uh, and then moved to the UK and was at um, Zeferano, was at Nobu, um, worked at the Glass House out in Kew, was a uh, head chef of a two mission star restaurant called Ulrika's in New York for two years. But then we worked, started working together at music festivals where I would project manage the build and the operating of a restaurant type experience at a music festival and Fred would be my head chef. Fantastic. I love that. I mean, I'm doing something later in the year on festivals and how they bring great food to yeah. a younger audience. I mean, you've got all yeah. these fantastically food literate millennials yeah, now yeah, to yeah. feed. I wonder how much that thing that you were doing before with the music festivals had to do with that. Well, I think definitely. Well, I just think um, when I was growing up, uh, kids wanted to either be DJs or in a band. Yeah. Now they want to have a street food truck or go to Japan and learn how to make some weird kind of coffee. <laughs> yeah. um, that's uh, that's the kind of the generation that's coming through. Yeah. And so we as a you know we as a food business, we've been able to attract a, a lot of those people uh, by having a bit of a creative mindset, moving around, uh, producing different and varying ways of enjoying food either by hosting parties, supper clubs, or opening restaurants in the in the back end of nowhere, um, while still at the same time offering, you know, good quality food and drink, which which uh, attracts a more mature audience as well. Yeah. So let's talk about the food. So I'm very excited as you rattled off that list of restaurants <laughs> I've read. So what would we be having tonight? So the food we do, it's... People always people often ask us, what kind of food is it? What food do you serve there? But it's food that draws upon all of mine and Fred's experiences in where we've worked uh, around the world and where Fred comes from as a chef. You know, so it's it's Scandinavian-ish in that uh, there's a lot of um, seafood, curing, smoking. Uh, but at the end of the day, Fred is a classic chef. So it draws upon kind of his French roots, his experience in Italian kitchens, by having a South American wife and living and running a restaurant in New York for two years. So it draws upon all of those things. Yeah. And it's about seasonality, great quality ingredients, and kind of, to be honest, whatever the hell we want to cook. Fantastic. Because it's a really small it's restaurant yours. and it's ours. I mean, and it's a small menu. Actually, yes, that is the most important thing. I mean, Alice Waters with Chez Panisse, I mean, when she first started, it was three things on the menu. Yeah. And that was the whole point of it. Yeah. It was simple and you can really do amazing things when yeah. you make it very, very simple. I mean, was that one of the drivers for, for, for this place? You know, definitely. And also, we're a small independent business and we, uh, you know, everything we've ever done has been paid for by the work we did last week. So it's kind of like uh, completely organic. And that's, and that for us, that may, and we've, we do things that are of this kind of scale often. And it means that if you're doing something for 16 people, rather than trying to offer 16 people everything, offer 16 people something that you're super, super proud of. And, uh, you know, the, you know the, chefs love, the chefs bring the food up from the kitchen. They're proud of every plate they put down. And that's really, really important. So it's about... There's a certain simplicity about it because 
Sometimes we work in quite challenging environments, but there's an elegance about it because it's proper cooking. What I find very exciting about it is that it's very entrepreneurial, which feels like it's the zeitgeist of London now, isn't it? And, and not just London, but, you know, Manchester was an amazing scene when yeah, I was yeah, up there yeah. recently. You know, everywhere I go, Bristol, Bath, it's just yeah. incredible what's happening in the British food scene. But it taps in, this kind of thing taps into that lovely uh, energy of, uh, yeah. of, of, of people your age and under. And it's attracting a lot more really interesting people into the food scene. Yeah. It's, does that feel like it can grow anywhere? Is it a bubble that's about to burst? What's happening with it? Well, I think uh, people, are, the new British foodieism, um, which has been kind of generated out of a mix of TV shows, food blogs, Instagram, uh, street food, night markets, pop-ups, supper clubs. I think that has kind of invited people from outside the industry into into loving food and drink and wanting to share that food and drink with other people and it's a it's an industry that if you can roll your sleeves up and you've got the energy and you can put the it's a physical industry and i think it really really demands of people and if you're the kind of person that likes to look after people and you've got the energy to do it and you might have a little bit of money in the bank that you're quite happy to lose then why not it's kind of like and you can start small you can start cheaply and you can give it a go without you know having to quit your job without having to you know i think there's a way in at the moment yeah. uh, through being entrepreneurial and just coming up with a nifty idea and going for it and i think the i think that's very very important that's been the big shift in london in particular over the last 10 years in the country over the last 5 years okay i'm going to throw a philosophical question at you do you think that this kind of getting your hands dirty, rolling your sleeves up, being with people, is a reaction against the kind of the cloud that we've been living in with social media and the kind of the computerization of the way we've been living? Um, yes and no. I think there's I think there's a lot of trend-led um, lifestyle focus, uh, food and drink stuff out there that has nothing to do with rolling your sleeves up and, and, and putting in a shift like the, like the chefs do. But I think alongside that, there are people that uh, are increasingly appreciative and understanding of the graft that has to go in to delivering something that should be pretty seamless and simple when you're actually at the table. And I think the gap, I think there's a greater understanding of what's happening behind the restaurant curtain, if you like. And I think that attracts a lot of people because it seems quite simple and pure uh, you know, like carpentry, uh, like a real craft and a yes. real trade. Yes. But um, and I wonder if the coffee movement sort of started that. You know, and baristas. Yeah, yeah, you know, people yeah. actually working with products that they know came from somewhere with some substance, yeah. uh, with an artisanal background. And and I wondered using your hands, people using their hands. Yes. And, and seeing that instant reaction when you put something in their hand and they have to put it, and then they put it in their mouth, and you can see that smile of appreciation. Uh, that is something that um, you. I think you only get in this industry so yeah. I think there's a, a that's very attractive for a lot of people yeah the relationship with artisans with you know farmers who bring their stuff to market mm-hmm. you know people are going to market on Saturdays more often than they ever did in the past you know and that's raised this this interest in in British food I wonder if coming to a place like this where you know you're going to get a really good chef you know that the food is probably going to be incredibly well sourced mm-hmm. and and you're actually encouraging an artisanal British food industry, how much do you get? Do people say to you, 
you know, where's the food come from? Do they ask you where the food comes oh, from? Yes. Do you put on your menus where you get your food from? Our view is that it's our job to sell a great, sell great food and drink and let people enjoy their experience and take from it what they wish. Um, we don't put on our menus the, you know, exactly which hand kind of dived for the scallop or whatever it might be. That's something that we know, we know where it comes from. We've had relationships with our suppliers for many, many years. We've visited their farms. We know where things come from. And we're quite happy to chat to our, our guests about that. But it's the kind of do thing that, ask? yeah, often they do, often they don't. It's, you know, it's for us to kind of, it's for us to know what we do and make sure that we're very confident that we're delivering something that's really good. And if somebody wants to know more about it, it's for us to give them all the information they need rather than kind of push it push it upon them because quite frankly they might prefer just gazing into the eyes of the person sat opposite them or, or ordering another bottle of wine um, on top of the two they've already drank. So uh, it's kind of like, you know, it's it's we wouldn't be doing this job in the way we're doing it if we weren't trying to do a very good thing. Um, it's for the customer to find out to ask about that rather than just kind of shout about it all the time. Yeah. We don't we don't we're not very shouty. So your lease comes up in February. February. Next nineteen. Uh, twenty nineteen. Yes. Where will you go next? What do you think will happen? So we're currently looking at two locations: one very close to here, uh, one out on the coast, actually. So we're Which kind of uh, out on the Kent coast. So we're looking at different. We're looking at different options to see where we'll, we'll go next. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd love to stay here longer, but we we're not. That's out of our hands. But we just we're just looking for the next thing. It's been really, really great having a bit more permanency here. Um, but, you know, uh, yeah, it kind of like staying in the same place for too long would kind of lose our, our whole chunk of the fun. Um, so, we're, you know, we're, we're currently looking at what we're going to do next. But probably definitely something in London, maybe something on the coast as well. We'll see. Thanks for listening to Delicious Magazine's Extra Portion. You can find out much more about all things delicious at the website deliciousmagazine.co.uk. And while you're there, do subscribe and get every podcast delivered free to your podcast app. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 